about death is uncomfortable. We think if we don't talk about it, it won't happen. Sadly, this isn't true. It's the only thing in life that we can be certain about. And because we don't talk about it, often we don't know what to do when we experience the death of a loved one. My name is Fiona Garvin and this is Deadly Serious Conversations. I'll be talking to a range of people who will share their knowledge and experience so we can learn how to make dying part of living. Funerals have changed dramatically in the last decade, but not that long ago they followed a very standard procedure. Often mourners were black, most funerals were burials and religion played a big part and there are very few personal touches. In this episode of the podcast I have a wonderful chat with Stan Cummings who is almost 94 years young. Stan dedicated his working life to working in the funeral industry. People like Stan paved the way for those of us who work in the industry now, and I really enjoyed hearing his stories. We have so much to learn from history, but it is also fascinating to see how things have changed. This conversation was a lovely reminder to me of how important it is to capture and preserve the thoughts and memories of our older generations and how recording stories leaves a legacy of living history for future generations. And I'd like to thank Stan for sharing his stories with me. I hope you enjoy this chat. So Stan, how old were you when you first got into When I started in the industry? Yeah. I said, not age 50, I started as a water of age 21. Wow, 21. And how did you get into it? Myself and my brother were both grocers. We were about six years in the grocery and I, I was behind the counter and all that sort of stuff. And then I got an opportunity of driving trucks for them. So I did that. And where they kept their trucks was from far down from Ellison's. And one of the chaps who worked with me, he left and went down to Ellison's. And he was said he was getting big money. He was getting £20 a week. (laughs) (laughs) So he didn't want a job. So I went down there. It was only a few doors down the street. And that's where I, how I started. I stayed there 38 years. And did you even know what a funeral director was then? At the time, vaguely. And so only 21 or 22. So what was it like when you seen your, did you see your first dead body when you started working? Yeah, I don't know that it it, it worried much, but the, thing that was obvious at the time, there was very little refrigeration, so you knew when you walked past the mortuary door where you were, you know, that's it, but uh, good life. And so did they have a shop, almost like a they shop? They had a chapel uh, in Victoria Street and there was a, um, behind the chapel, it was a old residence on the side and behind that was a laneway. Over the laneway they had another property where they kept all their cars, they would have had six or eight cars there. And like all the funeral directors at the time, they made their, manufactured their own coffins. And yeah. we had a factory there. Uh, they would have employed about eight coffin makers, I would think. That was in the, in the factory section. And then you come through and then they had a section where they did their French polishing and they employed a French polisher who did all that. Then downstairs, then the downstairs had a trimming room, and that's what I took over the trimming. So that was the whole lot. It was a pretty big place, really, and I think most of the big 
funeral directors had similar sort of establishments. I know Herbert King up the road, they had their own factory and they had their own garage and all that sort of thing. And I had Joseph Allison's in Brunswick was the same. I don't know about much of the others, but they all went along that pattern, you know. And what other things, Dan, that they used to do that we don't do now? They would have done a lot of embalming back in those days. Well, well, there was, but it didn't sort of start off as embalming. And and there were no... Well, I don't know about other companies, but uh, they didn't have any refrigeration. They had big air conditioners in in the mortuary and that was supposed to do the job, but it got something that was offensive. Of course, it was offensive and couldn't do much about it, but... And, of course, the refrigeration got better and they had big rooms that were refrigerated, which they didn't have before, you know. And so back in those days, we it's a bit different to now where we've got mobile phones and computers and uh, all of those things. So someone died, would you, how would they tell the funeral director? Well, well, you, usually by phone, but I know at, uh, at Richmond sometimes someone would knock on the door in the middle of the night, you know, yeah. and the manager put his head out the window up top and say, I'll be down in a minute, you know. I think... Uh, Probably more people died at home than because we seem to be out uh, doing removals from private properties yeah. all the time. It's just common. Did you have to be on call and things like that, Stan? Well, that was one of the reasons they had the factory because they had the factory had the staff. So the more staff, then, you know, they could, you could have one week in six. But when I started, all the factory coffin makers, they didn't want to do standby. Rosters to do it, but I did most of it, you know. Well, I was single and had time and it was all money and that, you know. And I think Kim told me a great story about you would go to the movies and your name Oh, your name, come on. Oh, yeah, yeah, that was awful because all the people in the... Yeah, the people watching it all knew me, you know, so when my name come up, I always got a cheer. Yeah, <laughs> so go, go you, get him. <laughs> if you needed to, to go and you were needed for work, your name would come up on the movie screen? On the screen. Well, I come up with both ice skaters and uh, I played ice hockey. So um, I always had skating and they used to call down there if I got a, got a job and then you take off, get back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's it. It's a big, big job, isn't it? Well, I think Alice's were about 130 years old, so it was an old company and a good one. Well, probably plenty of others around like them, but, yeah, but they were good. And did you have a uniform stand? No, we didn't have yet. To, you had to provide your own. Oh, okay. Yeah, and uh, was, I might have to go back on that because when I, when I started we had a, um, a frock coat and I had a photo of her. I would have loved to have shown you the photo, but I've got nowhere. We went to black coat and it went down just short of the floor, you know. Yeah. Uh, horrible. Because they all wore them. Wore and them. probably the top hats as well. No, I didn't wear a hat. No, the conductors always wore the hat. Oh, okay. The bowler hat or, or similar. Of course, they wore the uh, striped trousers and. A cap for a while, yeah, like a taxi driver's cap. I think they must have gone out. Oh, yeah, I think you put them on to keep the air in shape, I think. <laughs> yeah. But they didn't last very long. 
And back in those days, I've seen pictures where if a funeral went past, often cars would stop or people would stand out on the street. Oh, that's right. They always had an announcement made at the end of the service. If you're going to to the cemetery to put your headlights on, so you could see the funeral coming up. If there's a funeral, it's very hard, you know, if you're in traffic, you don't know who's with the funeral. But I remember when we were... When I was growing up, before I worked in the industry, I lived at, well, about three different places in my life with a family. They all seemed like they were dead in the street. But if someone died, they pulled the blinds yeah, down. The and the other thing that used to happen too, if a, a funeral going up the road and there's someone on the footpath, they'd stand. And um, back in, in the day, you had probably floral coaches as well. Like- it would be not unusual to have two floral cars all loaded up with flowers, yeah, yeah on top everywhere you could put them. Yeah. So your friendly florist, when he came in with the uh, the flowers for the funeral, he always had he always had a little orchid for the office girl. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's to make sure you ring back. Yeah. <laughs> it's business, isn't it? Yeah. And so following the hearse, you would have so you'd have the hearse and maybe a couple of floral cars and then the, the car for the family. They yeah, were- oh, yeah, they all had the lights on, yeah. And what about pallbearers? Were they um a thing Well, y- you know what the pall is? No, tell uh, me. <laughs> well the pall is a big um a material, it's like a bit of carpet, I suppose. It's softer, soft material, yeah. and, and they have tassels on each corner that hung down. But a couple of them are different colours. I don't know what the colours meant uh, of the actual pool, but some of them had four tassels, some had six. So when you got to, say, to the crematorium, before you went in, there would be four or six Paul bearers nominated from the family, like the funeral conductor would arrange that with the family. Who's going to be the Paul bearer? See? Yeah. So the conductor calls out for the Paul bearers. They get on either either side in two rows. You put the Paul between them, and they lifted the Paul up in the air. Then the coffin bearers carry the coffin underneath the Paul, oh. and then the Paul was lowered down over the coffin. And then if you go to the crematorium or the cemetery, they walk, as they walk off, the pools over the coffin all the time and the pallbearers would hold the tassel, big oh, the tassel. tassel, yeah. So they were different to the coffin bearers then, weren't they? They were different to the coffin bearers, yeah. Right, okay. Yeah, so if you had coffin bearers and pallbearers, it was, yeah. Lots yeah. of people. Well, I think it was very common for that to happen because I think that was if you had chosen to be a coffin bearer, then I think that's uh, marking your respects for your relationship that you have with the deceased. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. So you were privileged to be asked to do that, you know. And so did women do coffin bearing or pall bearing uh, back in the day? No, I don't, no, I don't know that I saw women do it. They yeah. may have, but no, no reason why they couldn't. It was generally a man. And amazing, they carried them on their shoulders as well. Well, the hearses, of course, were designed different. Now, the hearses now are got a low tray nearly to the ground. The old hearses were up high. So when the coffer bearers walked up to the hearse, the back of the hearse, the coffer was high enough to just go straight on the rollers and go straight in. 
And back in those days, was it very traditional to have black as the main colour? Did most people uh, wear black? Yeah, they did. See, but yeah. I'm black, yeah. But I'm yeah, well, so not arguing. Let it. Still yeah. older people still. Yeah. God, I mean, I don't because I, I seem to stand as anyone wear colours and that. But, you know, so now I think people, some of them, but if you see an older person, they'll have the black on, yeah. you know. Yeah. But I, I wouldn't wear black. Yeah. yeah. Didn't you well, say all the hearses were black? Everyone had black hearses, you yeah. know, so mm. if you wanted to hire from someone, it was pretty easy, really. Yeah. You knew they got the same. And most of the funerals back in those days were probably predominantly religious, would they have been? Yeah, well, yeah, they but did change, yeah, because I don't know what percentage, but a good percentage of your funerals were from churches. And in a lot of the churches, particularly the Catholic church, that they had masses and that of a lifetime, you could put the coffin in the church in the afternoon and the funeral was next day. Yeah, yeah that yeah. used to be common, that they'd That's sit right. and rest yeah. overnight. Yeah. Well, I don't know whether it was purposely got away from or it just happened. Well, it's funny because in Ireland, uh, where I'm from, they still do that a bit where they will bring someone to the church the night before mm. and it's still part of the funeral, you know, it's a big part of it and then the person sits and rests overnight and yeah. then they have the funeral the next day. Wow. Well, they used to put the, put the coffin in the, in the church the day before and they'd have prayers or yeah. the minister would administer some service, yeah. you know. And what about the wake? Was that a big thing? Well, it probably was, but that sort of got away from the funeral. That was after the funeral. And they just sort of took off and yeah. did that. Occasionally, <laughs> oh, you, you got invitations to go there. You generally tried to be courteous and go and have a glass of wine and go home. But as far as the family is concerned, you could stay there forever. You know? <laughs> and they're probably held a lot back in their own homes rather well, than... You know, nowadays we tend to do it where the funeral is, at the cemetery or... Yeah. Yeah. I think when I started, I think a bigger percentage of funerals were burials than what had finished up. Then a lot more cremations now. I think it's a lot more. Well, Catholics were never cremated, were they? That's that's right. right. No, they weren't. Oh, no, I I, I think you frowned upon if if you're a good Catholic and... You got cremated, you know, but yeah. when the priest went to the crematorium, um, he, he sort of sneaked in the back door, you know, yeah. and it was like that. But. I think it was something against the Catholic religion that you weren't yeah, allowed yeah. to be cremated, yeah, you had to be buried. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, because the other thing we've lost now are all church services. I, I think the one service at Cemetery or started off at crematorium is really because they had the buildings yeah. and it was easier to do that. And then after that, it sort of flowed on a bit more to burials where it's just had a one service only because people got up. So as it been to the cremation uh, habit of service, you go and have your cup of coffee and so on yeah. with the burials, it probably went off the same. You have the burial and they say, well, you know, we'll all go and Round to the coffee shop. Surely, well, and Faulkner, they've got these, and Springvale, I've got the big coffee place yeah. so you can do it. It's yeah. easy, isn't it? No, I think that's probably nice anyway, you know, as long as the, uh, the purpose of respect for the deceased is carried out, then that's all they want, isn't it? And it's probably easier for everyone so that they don't have to travel somewhere else. That's and- right. 
<laughs> Spring Rail was a long way away and you always had to travel with your headlights on. <laughs> Springville was a long way away. Oh, we didn't go to, oh, we did go to Springvale, but not as often as we go to Faulkner, you know. Yeah. So in 38 years, Dan, you would have seen a lot of changes over that time. Uh, unfortunately, you don't register them. You should, but you don't. We, because, you know, when you're doing something today, you're not thinking about 30 years ahead, you know, so you don't, you don't record, yeah. But, uh, you know, when I started, I used to say that, they all, most of the funeral establishments had their own factory and their own staff and uh, that's where it all came from, you know. And all, at that time, there were no, if you had it arrive at the Faulkner, that would be rare, very rare. You know? the, the funeral was always from the chapel out the front or from the church or yeah. from the house and, yeah. you know, a lot of them were for, for houses. Really? So people stayed at home? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I had occasions where the person dies at home and uh, and you take the coffin to the house and put the deceased in it and uh, go in with uh, all your candelabra if I'm a Catholic and set it all up with the candles and leave the spare candles for when they run out. And so they would um, have someone at home for a few days before the funeral. Yeah, a couple of days, maybe, probably at the most, you know, but I think I've seen it was pretty hard really because a lot of those places where you put the coffin in the house, you, well, if the beach, <laughs> you had to tip the coffin up on its foot to get through the doorway. Because oh, the doors you know, are so small. It was accepted. Yeah. That's what you did. And you had ties in the coffins for tie the body so it didn't move around, you know. And so, Stan, do you have any funny stories or memories from your time working? So we embalmed this body for the other funeral director and the body was taken back to the house and the coffin was taken there by the other funeral director. And I might have this, you don't have to work this out, but I, I think they had to put the body into the coffin themselves. They wanted to do that. But what they wanted to do, they wanted to keep the body yeah, so they put logs of wood in the coffin and they had to put the body into another room. So then they had the funeral and the funeral went to, I think it went to oh, Box Hill actually, yeah. and they buried the, had a funeral service with the coffin <laughs> with, with the, the logs, logs of wood in it. And about 10 years later, the neighbours next door complaining about this body in their neighbours house so it was all revolved you know? oh. and I went I saw the body I went down the coroner's court we were invited down there because we were involved in the embalming and the, the body was quite good actually wow yeah, so the family wanted to keep the body at home yeah well what they <laughs> did wasn't in what we thought was going to happen but yeah. that's what they yeah. intended they reckoned that their grief was such that they couldn't Let part you. with their mother, oh, okay. so they wanted to Don't keep it. So they took the body and put it into another room, put some logs of wood yeah. in the coffin, so and they had a funeral, went to Box Hill uh, and, and was buried with the logs of wood. Carmel was saying long hours. Oh, they were long hours. He was gone near 7 o'clock every morning. Weekends. Yeah, and weekends. Yeah, but so, well, see, probably when I, when I started, you just... 
if you if you work during the night, you just front up at eight o'clock in the morning and start again. But I think um, they got regulations to stop that. I, I would think that if you work so many hours during the night now, then you you'd be entitled to so many time off. You Dad know, used to is... do a lot of funerals for an Antiochian Orthodox priest, and he'd ring at twelve o'clock at night. <laughs> oh, oh, someone oh, died. Oh, and Dad yeah. used to go out at twelve o'clock at night. Yeah, yeah. In the middle of the night, he'd ring yeah. me up, and I'd go and pick him up. And uh, and not, he was a nice Lovely. bloke. Yeah. He was email, email, uh, father email. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah go and pick him up and go to the house and sit you in there. Just don't think twice about doing it. You yeah. know, someone yeah. you just. What was the other one? You used to go up you had to open all the doors or something if something happened. Oh, no, that was the, the, Jewish, of the, the Yeah, the Jewish ones. Yeah. That's right, yeah, they don't open the door. Because yeah, they can't they, do they, they had the Shevra Kadisha. Yeah. That, that was in Carlsberg. Yeah. The, and I don't know how we were involved in that, but you go up there, I mean, maybe you did the removal and you had to take it to their mortuary and you, you go up there in the middle of the night and the and the Jewish man to be there, whatever they call him, and he pressed to the to the lock and you had to open it. Oh, he he, he wouldn't do anything. He wouldn't it. do anything. Oh, fantastic, Stan. Well, yeah, it's lovely to hear all the stories. And... Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, I don't know whether he should have a diary, he should have had a diary because there's lots of things that... Oh, well, you've done amazingly well for someone mm-hmm. who's 92. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 93. 93. <laughs> Sorry, Stan, I'm making you younger. 93, you've got an incredible memory. <laughs> 